Chapter 2, Part 1 of Guide to the Study of the Christian Religion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tony Richardson. Guide to the Study of the Christian Religion, edited by Gerald Bernie Smith. Chapter 2, Part 1, The Historical Study of Religion. A. The Historical Method in General. The study of history is much more than the reading of books about history. The genuine historian seeks, by the use of all the material at his disposal, so to reproduce the past as to make it not only vivid, but also a means of interpreting the present. History, unlike biography, is essentially a social study. It is concerned with social groups rather than with individual men and women. It is by no means indifferent to individuals, but regards them as contributors to the action of the group of which they are members. Biography, on the other hand, essentially interested in the individual as related to social activities. The fact that history is essentially a social study makes possible a certain stability of method. Group action is by no means so indeterminate as the actions of individuals. It is possible by statistics, for instance, to organize pretty clearly the general tendencies of groups of men, although it is quite impossible to determine just what the action of the component individuals may be. While the historian must be careful not to mistake philosophical generalizations for history, it is nonetheless possible for him to reach certain general conclusions as to the movement that constitutes the evolution of civilization. These generalizations may be of real advantage in the interpretation of that particular point of the stream of human life to which he himself belongs. 1. The first step in the historical method. The first step in a historical method is the gathering of materials. These materials may be of varied sorts and are by no means limited to written sources. In fact, nothing could be more misleading than to conceive of history as essentially a matter of books. Since it deals with life, it must shape up its estimates of any period of the past through a scientific examination of all available products of that life. The materials for historical study may be classified although the groups are not absolutely exclusive, as a. survivals. Here would belong the actual non-material survivals such as living practices, customs, social attitudes, and institutions which have extended over to the present from the past. Further, such matters as language, music, dances are often of the utmost importance as embodying in themselves elements which were the germs of a more developed civilization. b. Monuments 
The second group of material may be roughly called the monuments, although the word is somewhat unfortunate. Here belong the actual material survivals of the past, such as manuscripts, papyri, pottery, and inscriptions, not their contents, buildings, coins, monuments, statuary, and all the material products of a period. With such materials, the archaeologist and antiquarian are primarily concerned. These material remains of the past are of immense value, not only because they furnish the contents in such sources as inscriptions and manuscripts, but because in themselves they perpetuate information regarding the artistic and mechanical and general cultural developments of the past. No one, for example, could ever get a fair conception of the civilization of Egypt without the pyramids, nor could one accurately picture Greek life were it not for the great wealth of its statuary. The historical value of museums is therefore great. In them, the student of history finds his imagination stimulated by the actual products of past activities. C. Unwritten Sources The third source of history may be said to be the unwritten sources not intended to be historical, like traditions, sagas, anecdotes, songs, legends, myths, and whatever else is carried along from tongue to tongue. In the course of time, this material may be reduced to writing, but it is of distinctly different character from that of deliberately intentional records. Here again, the student of history is enabled to come directly to the life of the group he is studying and to share, as it were, the creative impulses in a way which no description makes possible. Folklore and sagas, for instance, lose much of their charm and original significance when reduced to the printed page. D. Written Sources the fourth type of material is written. Such material is by no means limited to what would be called intentionally historical writings like annals, chronicles, genealogies, biographies, and memoirs, but comprises also non-narrative sources including acts of governments and the contents of monuments already mentioned. In the very nature of the case, this written historical material is of outstanding importance for the historian and furnishes the largest mass of his sources. It is particularly in the study of these written sources that the historical method has made its most noteworthy advances in recent years. 2. The Study of Literary Material the method of investigating this written material is called criticism and is of two sorts in accordance with its purpose and material. A. Textual or lower criticism. This is the determination of the original or, if that be impossible, the oldest obtainable text of a document, whether narrative or record. Its method is the systematic comparison of various texts. 
textual criticism has become a highly developed science in itself and the results of different critics tend to a consensus of opinion when we recall that there are several thousand variant manuscripts in whole or in part of the new testament the necessity of textual criticism is at once apparent textual criticism however does not undertake to do more than recover the oldest possible text in the case of the new testament no pretense is made by the critics that they can reconstruct any text of a date earlier than the second century that this second century text is doubtless close to that of the documents then circulating may very well be conjectured but no hope is entertained of an absolute recovery of the text of the autograph furthermore textual criticism leaves unanswered many questions concerning the trustworthiness of the record the text of which may have been appropriately recovered thus a second step is demanded b historical literary or higher criticism the methods of this stage of criticism are very similar to those of the textual criticism but the problems are different granting that we have the oldest obtainable text the question is raised as to the authorship of the document the possibility of rewriting or other modification of an original source having taken place the personal equation or tendency of an author or editor and the integrity or composite character of a source in the answer to such questions there is of course involved the further and more important matter of trustworthiness of the record in all attempts to answer such questions particularly in the case of records so precious as the books of the bible the historical critic should proceed with caution and by no means give way to the temptation to make clever guesses in the estimate of the historical value of any given document we must proceed by way of testing hypotheses and such hypotheses should be based upon painstaking study of the data rather than upon suppositions and guesses in testing any hypothesis the student employing the historical method should be careful to use all monumental evidences at his disposal in fact any hypothesis that is essentially uncontrolled by study of the actual materials of the life of a period as far as they are preserved is to be adopted very cautiously one of the most serious difficulties in the present study of the history of religion and of christianity in particular is the dogmatic presentation of hypotheses which are based upon a very narrow range of facts and are largely colored by the critic's own personal opinions it is obvious that in both the lower or textual and the higher or historical criticism the student must be constantly on guard against his own prejudices and preconceptions 
absolute impartiality in our attitudes is probably out of the question and critical scholarship makes its permanent advance by the mutual testing of various scholars their personalities serve to counteract one another and in the course of time results are reached which are as free from personal bias and as trustworthy as the existing data and human nature permit it is much to be regretted that in so many cases the student for the ministry comes to the historical study of the scriptures without any training in historical method as a result he is likely at first to feel that the foundations of what has been to him helpful religious conviction inherited or accepted without reflection are being shaken further acquaintance with a genuinely scientific method however serves to liberate him from this feeling and in the study of doctrine church and bible alike he finds himself possessed of facts which are not dependent for their validity upon inheritance or ecclesiastical authority nonetheless the transition from one type of study in religion to another should be made in the atmosphere of religion itself nothing is more fatal to the spirit of genuine religion than the superstition of scientific method for personal fellowship with god quote, to pray well is to study well end quote, is as true of the historical critic as of the preacher three the discovery of genetic relations of facts the study of sources is only introductory to the more definitely historical methods criticism gives material and nothing more when sources have been properly studied and their worth as historical material has been determined there begins the work of the historian proper namely such an organization of the material thus gained as to produce an accurate description of the total situation under investigation the difference between the antiquarian and the historian here becomes evident the antiquarian as such is interested in objects rather than in life processes the historian will use the results of antiquarian study much as he uses those of lower and higher criticism but he himself must proceed to show the relations in which these various facts stand for in history relations and particularly the processes of social experience are of supreme importance to know how a situation came into existence is indispensable to a knowledge of the situation equally indispensable is the power of evaluating historical conditions from the point of view of their outcomes in the genetic process of social evolution at this point it is very necessary to distinguish between history and the philosophy of history probably no historian is absolutely free from philosophical predilections and he must be constantly on his guard against the tyranny of preconceived philosophy such theories should really come by induction 
from the facts themselves. It is true, however, that studies in certain fields, particularly in those of statistics, politics, law, and sociology, furnish general conceptions by which the interrelations of historical experience may be tested. But these features are of less importance than those almost subconscious habits of thought which are the expression of the general social mind under whose influences the historian lives. At present, this is particularly true because of the conception of process and development which have come into the social sciences from the biological and geological fields. It is necessary also to know the geographical conditions and economic struggles which have conditioned human efforts. History is more than its record, for it is the actual living of men and women. It is concrete, a movement full of changes as well as results. It extends far beyond the earliest historical records. Indeed, the actually recorded history of humanity covers an exceedingly small period compared with the hundreds of thousands of years during which we are assured man has been living upon the planet. Really, to understand our present life, it is necessary to recall the long struggles of our faraway ancestors. To this end, the study of the bones and implements found in various geological strata is as truly of importance as is the study of newspapers. We can best appreciate how far the race has actually developed when we compare our modern world with human affairs as they appear from a study of prehistoric man. From this point of view, we can appreciate the value of the study of primitive peoples. They are, so to speak, the social leftovers, human survivals of stages of civilization, which once were the highest known. These primitive peoples are not lacking in ability, and when they come under the influence of a higher civilization, particularly when this is mediated by Christianity, they develop amazingly. But their customs, religions, and social structure enable us again to appreciate the great progress which has been made in human life. 4. THE STUDY OF THE HISTORY OF RELIGION It is from this point of view that men are now learning to study the history of religion. The same methods which are applied to tracing the development of any other human interest are now being applied with very interesting results to the development of religion. Such a study involves a knowledge of anthropology, and a careful investigation of the lives, manners, and customs of primitive peoples. Yet such a knowledge is by no means all that the history of religion involves. As Farnell, Evolution of Religion, well argues, we need to know not only origins but processes of development. Fortunately, 
we possess the records of a religion which has thus developed from the very simplest type of social customs the bible is a record of the religious experience of the hebrews from the dawn of their historical records to the very highest ideal type of life to be found in jesus it is only recently however that this wonderful collection of historical material has been treated in a historical way theologians have used the bible to find proof texts preachers have allegorized it to get religious inspiration and the truth which they wish to preach fanatics have found in it all sorts of ammunition for attacking their opponents but the sober and reverent study of its passages by the use of literary and historical methods which have proved themselves effective in other fields of similar research was for centuries neglected an application of these methods to the study of the bible has served to enable us first of all to appreciate the worth and the character of the documents of the bible itself but more important it has enabled us in the second place to trace the development of the hebrew religion as the hebrew people progressed and made their way through the various strata of social experience in the start they had not even a tribal organization gradually the tribes emerged confederated and fell apart and out from a section of them emerged a nation this nation in turn suffered the experiences of little nations situated between mighty military powers and the jewish people ceased to be a nation but spread over the world as immigrants bearing the hope of a glorious kingdom which god would later establish for them then came christianity a religion which emerged from judaism but perpetuated no ethnic traits retaining only the religious and ethical ideals these it presented as embodied and completed in the life of jesus christ a life which the world has always regarded as supreme fully to appreciate this development of our own religion it is advisable for the student to become acquainted with the development of other religions students of comparative religion have in the past been less interested in the development of religions than in contrasting various systems and discovering their common elements and their differences the study of the history of religion is somewhat different from this and as yet has confined itself pretty largely to the study of primitive peoples there are indications however that on the basis of such anthropological and scientific investigations there will be built a more complete presentation of religion in its more developed forms see section b efforts have been made in this connection to show how christianity has emerged from earlier religious movements particularly by the religions chicleque school has the endeavor been made to trace the ideas of the new testament to earlier religions especially those of egypt syria persia and assyria such procedure 
has brought to light many interesting facts but as yet it is marked by more ingenuity than solid reasoning an extreme development is to be seen in authors like Drew's the christ myth who have denied the historicity of jesus and have made him a personification of religious ideals b the evolution of religion one what is meant by the evolution of religion the use of the term evolution in connection with religion is subject to at least two objections on the one side are those who insist that religion is the gift of god and therefore has no historical development and on the other hand the biologist may object to the use of the term in any such general sense as a student of social science must adopt to the first critic it may be replied that when he asserts or implies that religion has not developed like other elements in human experience the facts are against him end of chapter two part one recording by tony richardson